There is a supposedly a true story uh, that happened on that fateful night that the Titanic sunk, where a uh, frightened woman was sitting in a lifeboat that was about to be lowered down. Uh, suddenly she remembered something that she needed to get from her room. Telling the others in the boat what it was, uh, she begged them for permission. Uh, she was given three minutes to go and get it and get back or else they would leave without her. So the woman ran across the deck, which was already sloping at a dangerous angle. She, she raced through the gambling room, uh, ignoring all the money and the gambling chips that were floating now in ankle-deep water. She got to her room and she pushed aside her diamond rings, uh, ignored the expensive jewellery, reached across to the shelf above her bed and grabbed three oranges. And with those oranges, she ran back to the lifeboat. Now, that's supposedly a true story. If it is, that is a very powerful story for showing how there are some events in life which have the ability to completely transform the way you look at things. There are some events in life that can turn your value system completely upside down. Because you see, 30 minutes ago, uh, 30 minutes earlier, that woman would never dreamed of choosing oranges instead of money or diamonds or even poker chips. And yet, because the boat she's on is sinking with every passing minute, now with the prospect of floating adrift in the freezing waters of the North Atlantic Ocean, now suddenly everything was different. And the nutritional value of three oranges is now what she reckons is the most important thing she owned. I'm telling you there are some events in life that change everything. The return of Jesus is one of those events. The fact that one day Jesus will return and this world will be wrapped up the fact that this present creation is one day going to vanish with a roar and a new creation will take its place. Friends, that is an event that changes everything. Which is pretty much what the New Testament book of 2 Thessalonians is all about. Because in 2 Thessalonians, in just about every single chapter really, the Apostle Paul points out to this church family that, that Jesus is coming back. And as he points that out to them time and time again, it's really fascinating to see the sorts of things, the types of issues, which therefore dominate the Apostle Paul's thinking. Because what we discover is that some of the things which this world doesn't value, some of the things that this world doesn't really consider as all that important, in the light of the return of Jesus those things actually turn out to be the most important things of all. An example being faith, faith in Jesus, trust in who he is and what he's done. Because did you notice from chapter 1, which uh, was read earlier, did you notice in that chapter how often Paul talked about faith? I mean, for starters, look again at verse 3 and notice with me what is pretty much the very first thing he says. After verses 1 and 2, which is basically who's writing and who he's writing to, did you notice what it was that Paul gives thanks for? 
What's effectively the first thing that comes out of his pen? Verse 3, we ought always to thank God for your brothers and rightly so because your faith is growing more and more and the love every one of you has for each other is increasing. Now look, the specific background of this letter is that Paul is writing to a new little church that are doing things tough. Uh, Paul himself had started this church during what is often called his second missionary journey. You can read all about it yourself in Acts chapter 17. Paul was travelling through the Mediterranean. He eventually got to the port city of Thessalonica. It's a very strategic city at the time. It was the capital of Macedonia, one of the most important cities in the Roman world. Nowadays it's called Thessaloniki and it's the second largest city in Greece. Back then, Paul hit town, spread the news about Jesus. People started becoming Christians. Trouble is, after about two or three weeks, Max, uh, some of the Jews in town reacted so badly to all these people becoming Christians that they started a riot. Uh, Fears were held for Paul's life, so he was bundled off to a neighbouring town called Berea. Trouble was, Paul must have really upset these Jews because they were so annoyed by him that they chased him all the way to Berea, and so Paul then had to run away even further going down to Athens. So you've got this new little church... And they're in a sticky situation. For starters, they are surrounded by some pretty hostile and determined troublemakers in the town where they live. And for seconds, they haven't had much of a start as far as teaching goes. At the most, Paul has only been with them a couple of weeks before he got ran out of town. And so their knowledge of the gospel may well have been pretty shaky around the edges. So you've got new Christians in a new church, in a bit of a vulnerable situation. So what happens is that Paul sent Timothy back to see how the church was getting on. Were they hanging in there? Did it get too tough? Are they throwing the towel in? Timothy goes back to Thessalonica, sees how they're getting on, go, returns to Paul in Athens, tells Paul how they're getting on, at which point Paul, hearing Timothy's re- report, writes off the letter of two Thessalonians. That's effectively why he's writing. And what is it that he's writing? What, what is it that he gives thanks for? We ought always to thank God for your brothers, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more. See, the great news is that this, this new little church, even though they're going through a rough time, this new little church is going from strength and strength. Uh, their faith, their love, it's increasing. Their faith is pressing on even under trial, and Paul is over the moon about that. In verse 4, he's even boasting about their faith to all the other churches. All of which I want to suggest to you is testimony to how important their faith is to Paul. That his first concern for them is not so much that the persecutions and the trials might be going away, which I'm sure a big part of him would have wanted, but rather his first concern is rather that simply their faith is staying intact during the trials, during the persecutions. Now, as I thought about that, I felt a bit of a sting of rebuke in that. Because I don't know about you, but often when life gets hard for me, my first thought is simply, I just want things to get better. I reckon my first thought should surely be, I hope my faith gets stronger through this. And why? What's the big deal about faith? What's the big deal about having a trust and a reliance in Jesus? 
Well, there's lots of things we could say at this point, but a pretty obvious reason comes up in, the, in, the, in uh, verses 5 onwards as Paul moves on to explain to them Jesus' return. Verse 5. All this is evidence that God's judgment is right, and as a result, you'll be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are suffering. God's just. He'll pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. He'll punish those who don't know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They'll be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord, from the majesty of his power. On the day he comes to be glorified in his holy people and to be marvelled at among all those who have believed. This includes you, because you believed our testimony to you. Do you ever think much about Jesus' return? It's going to be great. That last phrase in verse 10, we're going to marvel at the grandeur of Christ. In other words, no matter how great you think Christ is, he will surprise you by being even greater in person. And we're going to be glorified along with him and justice will be established once and for all. That is a big stress in that, that, those verses, isn't it? That uh, firstly in verse 5, it's a reflection of God's justi- justness that the Thessalonians are persevering the way they are. The fact that they haven't thrown the towel in, that, that's an affirmation that God was right in choosing them in the first place. But more to the point in verse 6, God's justice will be displayed because he will put right all the injustices that have been perpetuated against his people. That for those of you who have been ridiculed for your faith in Jesus, for those of you who have been made to feel awkward when a conversation at work or at school has just turned to gossip or crudeness, for those of you who have been made to feel embarrassed and weird because you take Jesus seriously, for those of you whose children are given a hard time because you don't let them see the movies that everyone else sees, you don't let them go to the parties that everyone else lets their kids go to, For those of you who are just simply trying to live an honest life following Jesus, and at times you get disadvantaged for that, there will be a day when it will be put right. Which, if you think about it, to a new little church, surrounded as they are by hostile people, they're going through persecutions. This would have been a good word. Guys, hang in there. Keep going. A day is coming when you will be vindicated. A day is coming when you will be seen to be in the right. A day is coming when you will get to share in the glory of the Christ. And here's what I want you to notice. Exactly who is it who will be vindicated? How, does he, how do they get described in verse 10? On that day he comes to be glorified in his holy people and be marvelled at amongst all those who have believed. This includes you because you believed. See, the ones who are described as God's holy people, the ones who will marvel at Jesus and be vindicated on that last great day, they are the ones who have believed. Or perhaps a better translation is actually those of you who have had faith. It's the same word that's used up in verses 3 and 4. As again, Paul zeroes in on the important issue of faith, again reflecting that faith is so critical to Paul, it's so critical as he in his writing to these Thessalonians, because it is those who have faith in Jesus who will be saved 
when Jesus returns. Which is, of course, the heart of the gospel, isn't it? We don't deserve to have eternal life, but when we put our trust in Jesus, when we, when we put our faith in his death on our behalf on the cross, when we put our faith in God's promise that he will place our punishment on, on Christ, uh, that's the gospel. And those who trust God in that way, those who put their faith in Jesus, they are the ones who will share in his glory on his return. It's those who have faith in Jesus who will escape judgment when he returns and instead be counted worthy of the kingdom of God. Again, it is the way that the return of Jesus changes things. Jesus is coming back. And it is those who have persevered in their trust in him who will be saved on that judgment day. Faith in Jesus, therefore, matters immensely. In many ways, look, it's just the same as what we saw last week uh, with Jesus' parable of the ten virgins, that, that when Jesus returns, this creation will vanish with a roar and all the stuff that's in your life will disappear and the ultimate eternal thing of value that you have is how close you are to Jesus. The ultimate thing of eternal value is whether or not you have trusted him, whether or not you have put your faith in his death, whether or not you have put your faith in his goodness and are doing what he says, whether or not you have kept your faith intact through all the push and shove and persecutions and trials of life. Our faith in Jesus is absolutely crucial because that is what will save us on that last great day. And so, surprise, surprise, you'll never guess what Paul goes on to pray about. Verse 11. With this in mind, we constantly pray for you that our God may count you worthy of his calling and that by his power he may fulfil every good purpose of yours and every act prompted by your faith. So what he's praying, he's asking of God that the Thessalonians' faith would become more and more active. He's asking that their faith would be prompted into more and more actions, that, they continue to, that their faith would continue to grow and be ever more creative and ever more vibrant, that their faith would be real and not dead. It's a lovely prayer. It's tapping into that really exciting idea that as Christians, God is in us transforming us, that God is working in you, developing new ideas in you, uh, new goals in you, that, that because of your faith, you're starting to do things and valuing things that you never did before you were Christians. You're starting to want to go to a growth group. You're starting to want to go out on a Sunday evening and listen to the Bible taught. You're wanting to help other people listen to the Bible being taught. You're starting to wonder how you could best witness to the person you're living next to. Next to. You're starting to wonder how you can get that selfish streak under control. You're starting to be concerned about how you can be a better husband, a more, a more loving wife. You're, you're wondering how you can befriend that lonely person at school. You're starting to think about maybe I should be better at welcoming people at, at church on a Sunday evening. As, as followers of Jesus, we're starting to get new ideas and new goals and new purposes. Our faith is prompting us into action. And here in 1 Thessalonians, Paul is praying that that would happen more and more and more and more and more in the Thessalonians. And why? Verse 11, it's with this in mind. We constantly pray for you. And this is a reference back to what he's just been talking about. Jesus is coming back. Justice will finally be done. And those who have faith in Jesus 
will be saved. And Paul prays, I just hope you... I want God to make your faith more and more and more active. You're starting to see a common thread in this chapter in terms of what Paul is thankful for in the Thessalonians, in terms of what Paul explains to the Thessalonians, in terms of what Paul prays for the Thessalonians. It is that their faith, it just keeps coming up time and time again. It's their trust and loyalty to Jesus, which is very much a recurring theme. And why? It's because Jesus is coming back and that changes everything. Especially when you realise that when Jesus gets here, it is those who have persevered in their faith in him who will be saved. It is those who have persevered in their faith in him who will be glorified. It is those who have persevered in their faith in him who will be vindicated. And the Apostle Paul wants this new little church to know that because he would hate them to do something stupid and give up on their faith in the midst of trials. He would hate them to, get, to buckle under the pressures of life and fail to understand what the future has in store and fail to see how precious faith in Jesus really is. Is that a good thing for you to hear too, this time of year? I mean, here we are at the beginning of the year starting to put our diaries together, starting to get uh, our schedules together. Do you need to hear this word of encouragement to press on working at your faith? Friends, you need to prioritise your years so as to safeguard your faith. You need to prioritise your years so as to strengthen your faith. You need to be locking things into your diary now so that your faith will grow in 2009 because even though it may not always seem like it, persevering in your faith in Jesus will be worth it because he's coming back and that changes everything. Uh, Lucy is a Christian girl who doesn't live here in Dubbo. Uh, She's married to a non-Christian. They have a young family. Her husband is hostile about Jesus. He resents the attention that she gives church and uh, often her husband will tempt the kids not to go with their mum to Sunday school just by offering them more attractive options to do on a Sunday. You know, sometimes Lucy just gets so tired of that. But in the end she knows that it's going to be her faith in Jesus that matters most for her and for her kids. Christine's another Christian who doesn't live in Dubbo. She's a 40-year-old Christian mum. She's got leukaemia. She's just been through chemo and had a stem cell infusion. And according to a friend of mine, these past few days, uh, she's been walking around the wards, memorising the names of the other patients so she can pray for them better. And people are really nice to her about it. But she can see through their comments just just a hint of you know, condescending, well, that's nice for you. I hope your faith gets you through this. She doesn't mind that. Because in the end, she knows that it's a faith in Jesus that is the most important thing in her life. And she wants it for the others in the ward as well. 
Several years back, uh, there was an attack on a Christian school in Pakistan. Some of you may have seen the news coverage about it back then. A friend of mine was actually at the school when it happened. Uh, Murray said the attack was carried out by four masked gunmen. They arrived at the school on motorcycles just after the students had returned to class after their morning break. Uh, They opened fire with machine guns and six people were butchered. All of the people who died were Christians. And what was meant to be a trip so as to catch up with a link missionary from their church ended up with Murray having to help the school work through grief counselling because the students were traumatised. A couple of days later, a Christian hospital was also attacked. Didn't get to hear about that one on our news. Sometimes, you know, following Jesus just does not seem all that sensible a thing to do. And yet there will come a day when following Jesus and having a faith in him will be seen to be by far the most sensible thing to do. And so to a persecuted group of new Christians, the Apostle Paul says, keep going, press on, keep working at your faith in Jesus. May your faith in Jesus become more and more and more active. I love hearing the news that your faith is growing because he's coming back and it's going to be worth it. Why don't you remind yourself of that every morning this week? Just get up and say, I'm going to work hard at my faith today. And look, maybe, just maybe, it will mean being exactly like that woman on the Titanic. Maybe, just maybe, it's going to mean that you're going to have to rush past a lot of stuff that you used to think was important. Maybe you're going to have to sweep aside a lot of stuff that you used to think was important. But friends, Jesus is coming back. And that changes everything. I'll pray. Father, please help us to see this life through your eyes. Father, thank you for reminding us from this opening chapter to the church family, Thessalonica, the importance of our faith in your precious son. Father, thank you for reminding us that it is only those who have put their faith in you on that last day, who will be saved, vindicated, given the enormous privilege of being glorified with your son. Father, we know that we just don't deserve that. Thank you that simply by putting our trust in your son, that you have graciously allowed us to be saved. And Father, we pray that this week, this year, this life, that as the world presses in on us and other things start to shine brightly around us and pressures and decisions start impinging, please help us to never lose perspective on the preciousness of a faith in Jesus. Amen.